0: closely are you monitoring award season now that all the big festivals are coming out with all the humongous releases that are sure to compete all across the big awards at the end of the year? I just just can't believe that Joker won top prize, top golden (laughs) calf... (laughs) <laughs> right. Ga- That's a good point, John. I know. I, I was so upset this year based on all the other uh, award winners of the Golden Lion at the Venice Film Festival. I knew all of them before <laughs> the Joker won. And I was, let me tell you, I, I was upset mm-hmm. to compare uh, the great work of uh, <laughs> Darren Aronofsky's The Wrestler to Todd Phillips' The Joker. <laughs> it's an insult, I say. An insult. Um, I mean, I would be. I would be more upset about this if I didn't see the movie that won the Berlin Film Festival this year, uh, Synonyms. <laughs> that mm. actually, that is an atrocious. No, I won't say atrocious. It's got arts, Again, arts, it might have been edited sure for the, the plane ride. Does. You don't know. We don't That's know. That's true, you're right. You're yeah. right. So, but but Greg, it's almost you're almost implying that it's like big names tend to win these awards, not necessarily the best film. I mean, well, well, how else do we explain Roman Polanski winning again? <laughs> was he there in person to receive his award? I sure hope he was. I know. Let me tell you, the jury at the Venice Film Festival seems a little twisted. Mm. It seems as if they look at crime and think it's 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 as if something to laugh about. <laughs> <as> if... <laughs> what if clown, but did crimes? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Joker. <laughs> I know. That's, that's what every question about the jury. Like, how can you extol the virtues of the clown prince of crime? How could you do that? Irresponsible, I say. Mm, absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah. do they not understand the political climate we live in right now? That that was the other great talking point. I know Twitter's not real life, but... And I thank God for that because <laughs> the whole discussion on Twitter was like uh, everybody turning into hell and love joy like when somebody think of the children how can we extol the virtues of someone who's normally an antagonist and now we're making him the protagonist I, the hero he would have voted yeah. for Trump don't don't does people get this I know exactly actually I think uh, he would have voted for Jill Stein just the chaos oh, just for, true. The, for the laughs as it were yeah, Exactly that's what that's what the true crown prince I'm going to keep screwing that up. Crown Prince of Cl- Clown. I did it again. I am a clown. <laughs> yes. <laughs> ich bin I'm Clown. All right. But, John, that's, that's not what I want to talk about. I'm more fascinated by how... All these film festivals and premieres turned our beloved movie critics into just shouting gibbons. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how movies have suddenly become like religious experiences and somehow the general public isn't ready for a movie like, uh, like The Joker mm-hmm. or uh, Marriage Story <laughs> or <laughs> uh, Bad Education starring Hugh Jackman. Well, again, Greg, they got to keep the hype train up. This is all part of the whole, you know, award season hype season basically so it, yeah. it totally makes sense to me like what's annoying is though that like it feels like we've gotten all the joker discourse out of the way and now when the actual movie comes out it's going to land with a thud and so i yeah. uh, i what whether the movie are we looking forward to for award season that i that i need to get hyped up about greg that's what i rely on you to tell me i mean i the lighthouse is already coming out in a few weeks like there's nothing for that so i don't i don't, I don't you you have to tell me greg okay tell okay, me my opinion I, john i will tell <laughs> I, I won't tell your opinion. However, I'm glad you brought up the discourse, because mm-hmm. that's what's most important. Yes, we can talk flippantly about uh, this uh, instant reaction to film and, and extolling it as if it's uh, something of value, which <laughs> you and I, as film lovers, know it isn't. Yes. <laughs> but, I, John, it's so important that we talk about these things, and that's why I wanted to bring up an open letter Ooh. that also went viral okay. um, by one Alex Billington. Who is Alex Billington? <laughs> um, I first heard of Alex Billington this award season because he really set himself apart um, in terms of being one of these uh, uh, Gibbons who are just howler monkeys um, who are just shouting about uh, the movies he saw. We'll get to those. Okay. But um, he also went viral this week when he penned an open letter on his blog. Uh, I'll also discuss his blog. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to read excerpts of it here, um, and you could jump in whenever you want. Okay. After being threatened by the Venice Film Festival to have my press badge removed because I refused to follow the nonsensical embargo rules, I decided to publish this letter. Mm. When you experience injustice... Wow. <laughs> yeah. When you experience oppression in this world... <laughs> this is a good, uh, just editorial. This is a good point. At this point, you should Google image search Alex Billington. Um, I already know what so he looks he like. <laughs> <laughs> I am yeah, I am <laughs> quite good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You must speak up. Mm. Well, this is not that bad. I still fight. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. So he's acknowledging that, okay, this isn't important, but I'm going to fight anyway. Wow. (laughs) Damn it. I expect many of my colleagues and other critics will disagree with me and refute my claims, which is, of course, they're right. Mm. But throughout my 13-plus years, I have been running this website... Mm. I have often seen jealousy and fear (laughs) manifest itself as control and dominance. And this is another example. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. Preach. Preach. (laughs) Preach. (laughs) I was told that others, quote, complained, unquote, about my tweets. Mm. And so I was forced to fall in line and do what they demanded. I resist. I refuse. Oh, wow. It's time to change this rule at festivals. Mm. Once a sc- once a film screens, we should be able we should be free to talk about it. My full letter below, John. You may be wondering what website he writes for. Uh, his personal blog. It sounds like. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I assumed it was a, a big Sterling uh, publication, and it is, John. First showing, .NET. Wow. .net. <laughs> yeah. And Well, I mean, he yes, said he had written for it for 13 years. So, yes, of course it had to be a .NET. And, and of course, yeah. And if you look at it, it does look like bloggers. Oh, <laughs> 2006. no. 2006. Oh, no. Yeah. So, in this open letter, he goes on to complain that he should have the right. Um, to talk about the, the Joker movie. and Yeah, to have these instant uh, um, instant. To just basically, these tweet out these instant reactions, in spite of the organizations kind of pushing back on that. Um, which I, you could make a case for. Yeah, I mean, however, that's that's a way to increase engagement. So I mean, as long as they're <laughs> actively doing it in the theater as the movie is going on. I mean, was he trying to live tweet the movie? I, I certainly hope not. Okay. Um, his two crimes though mm-hmm. uh, the first one I'll get to uh, a little hyperbolic bud <laughs> <laughs> you said when you experience oppression in this world uh, you are a film critic <laughs> uh, writing for a nothing blog about movies that'll be forgotten in about two weeks mm. So yeah, let's not let's not consider you're not a Rohingya Muslim, okay? So let's <laughs> let's dispense with that. And hit crime number two, John, I've got a few of his tweets pulled up here. Oh no, <laughs> yeah, this is what these these are the this is the discussion that he this is the bastion of free defend. speech that's worth preserving. Yes, <laughs> it really here, be great. yes, yes. Are you ready, John? Suck I you ready. Are you a brace are you a brace is your body ready? Okay. <laughs> Here, here is one of those the bastions of discourse that he's preserving. Yes. As a member of the press, the First Amendment rights. there will be a before Joker, and there will be after Joker. I don't know if this world is ready. Wow. <laughs> or maybe it is. It is, all caps, gnarly. It is crazy. It is audacious. It doesn't hold back. Wow, I can't believe it exists, but it does, and it's coming. Mm-hmm. Is he trying <laughs> yep. to get on the poster? It sounds like he's desperately <laughs> trying to get on the poster. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I John, again, I've got, uh, I've preferred a ton of selections here. Th- this was actually my my favorite. God fucking damn, I'm totally floored by marriage story. Simultaneously devastating, heartbreaking, yet also full of heart, love, heart, and a big dose of humor that elevates it from great to absolutely brilliant. Hands down, one of Bombac's finest. Excellence from everywhere. Mm. That's just one tweet, John. Okay. But he followed up with this. Bomb back, Bombac, back, Bombac, Bombac. Bombac. <laughs> There are two scenes in *Marriage Story* that I wanted to give an instant standing ovation to. God, what a film! What a film! Okay, so yeah, he's he's obviously not. I mean, what a like, what a risky move to take a film critic who likes <laughs> an all bombback movie. Wow, exactly. where does he find the like, courage? Exactly. Yeah, you're right. You pointed out immediately he's not defending like the right to discourse, especially at a, at a very exclusive film festival that's only prepared for A-list stars and movie critics. <laughs> <laughs> but he's also defending his right to basically be a child watching. Or the explorer, and pointing out when, <laughs> and yelling with the enthusiasm that that viewers have when Swiper appears on screen, like that's that's all he does, and that's what he's made a career out of. So that's that's the only thing he's defending. I clapped, so, I clapped when I saw it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess there is a market for this kind of instant reaction, and and again, hooting like a a fanboy. So mm-hmm. and Alex Billington, God bless you and your right to defend it.
1: <laughs> However,
0: I won't. I won't. I won't say that you're, that you're, uh, that you're a, a, a pogromed chew in Warsaw in 1944. <laughs> I don't know. Pretty close. <laughs> Come on. Have you ever had to sit through Venice? Like, ugh, gross. Old city. Exactly, It's sinking Let's in the sea for good it, reasons. Come on. Yeah, I know, yeah. Fair point. Well, Greg, the last free – it's pretty ridiculous because we all know that the true last bastion of free speech in this world is this podcast, the Aspiring Snobs podcast. Yes, in which we, like the, the venerable Alex Billington, um, <laughs> shout to the heavens, please enjoy this movie. Um, and it's instant, too. Like we, we literally record seconds after we watch the movie. We have no time to stew or mm-hmm. analyze or anything like that. No, we, no, no. We no, give no. our instant reaction because that's what's most important in this world. Instant reaction. Exactly. And it was completely necessary for this next film because we watched a comedy film. Yes, oh yeah, a, a classic comedy from the Zucker <laughs> brothers of all people. I considered it more of a dramedy, to be honest. Oh, that was okay. really wrapped up in the, in the in the story, but. <laughs> We looked at now a cult classic. It's certainly getting some revision now that Gen X is getting older, and um, they need they're they're running out of stuff to market, uh, (laughs) particularly (laughs) Ghostbusters, Back to the Future. It's the well is running dry, so they keep digging up movies from the '80s, -hmm. and I'm glad we dug up this one. It's the Zucker Abrams Zucker production, Top Secret! Exclamation point. If everybody had a 12 gauge and a surf or you The see shooting and the doing a Malibu. Because it's totally vision, riding waves to blast their pigeons, and it's so neat shooting ski while you're riding on the heavy all day. First wave, don't get tired. Third second wave, aim higher. Third Pulling tires to surfing We're waxing down our surfboards And loading up our tracks Tell the teacher we're shooting We're never coming back I've got a gun rack in my Chevy For when the surf and the flat get hit Do you think they jumped the shark a bit by having two movies with an exclamation point at the end? Like, oh, come on! I mean, John, we already know it's a it comedy, a com- guys. Like, come on, slow down. I mean, does, I don't think you would know that. Does the Files from Police Squad have an exclamation point? I, I wonder. Yes, it does. <gasps> really? Chimney yeah. crickets. These guys are just—they're <laughs> shouting at me so much. <laughs> I don't know, but John, how, however, would you know? That's true. I mean, the poster's all white, and it's a cow with boots on. I mean, I—you I, pair next to out of Africa. You think those are both Oscar contenders <laughs> right there? <laughs> Well, it had to be on the poster, Greg. That is the most extensive comedy set piece of this whole film. But we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah. Ostensibly, yeah. let's or let's 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 first discuss what is the, uh, as we all know, the Zucker Abrams Zucker team are famous for giving us one of the greatest comedies of all time, Airplane, and also Airplane mm-hmm. Two. And <laughs> <laughs> were they behind Airplane Two? I believe so. It feels like I it. thought they were just producers, but okay. I thought they were working on police squad at that time, but okay either way, they they, they keep just bringing the yucks, just ne- yes. they never cease bringing the yucks, but like I can't help but feel comparing this film to their other pieces in there of war that doesn't quite yeah. reach the, whatever I, I pronounce the way i want okay i'm a sophisticated man who has john a you have to keep, pli- keep plowing through come yes. on john, don't <laughs> to face no corrections no. apologize for nothing i apologize Go for, for nothing i have no regrets <laughs> anyway yeah. um i can't help but this film there, there's a reason why this film is not uh, lauded in the same levels of the upper echelons of the uh, police squad movies and airplane yeah. and it's ilk um, mm-hmm. because I do think it is, like Airplane, it is making fun of something very specific, but um, it sadly doesn't kind of capture the same kind of timeless quality that Airplane does. No, for one thing, the movie is somewhat out of time. I initially thought, like, they went back to the well. They conceived Airplane when they watched this really cheesy disaster movie from the 50s mm-hmm. called Zero Hour, and they basically planned on all these ridiculous gags on top of that. I thought they did the same here, like they found, like, an Elvis movie, like a very terribly cheesy Elvis movie from the late '50s, and thought, "Hey, let's just do a uh, let's just apply the jokes on that." No, this is a an original story. But um, you have villains. It's set in the present day in East Germany, but the villains are dressed like Nazis. Uh, the star is a, a a teen bopper from the '60s, mm-hmm. and um, you have uh, actors again, like kind of out of like Omar Sharif, like kind of out of time and out of like a prestige drama, really. Mm-hmm. So and also they st- still still not stop them from doing contemporary jokes like making fun of the Carter administration so yes. like what, what what what's happening here what's going on <laughs> like airplane like i said airplane have more of a timeless quality to it where it's like yes it was supposed to be set in the 80s but because it's spoofing a 50s movie it, it, you yeah. know there and was also a lot a of disaster 50s, movies yes. of the decade earlier like the airport movies mm-hmm. yeah so that it felt it felt a little more timeless or at least a little more coherent than this movie um yeah also, and again, I feel bad saying this, but honestly, I feel it felt a little overindulgent at times, which, <laughs> which is weird because now normally I, I'm the one who's like, who cares? Throw them as much into a movie as you can. But this time I was kind of like, uh, do we really need an underwater bar fight? It seems like a bit much. I, oh, wait a minute. You weren't floored by that? I That's that's one of the things I will extol this movie. Again, they'll do it. This movie. The Zucker-Abrams-Zucker ethos is to do anything for a laugh, and this movie does it to the 12s, to the 13s, <laughs> up to the, the cheap seats. They, they do anything for the laugh, including its big, climactic joke, staging an Old West-style bar fight underwater. Mm-hmm. And I really admired them for the chutzpah of that. But are you saying that maybe at this point, because that is at, at basically the climax of the movie, are you saying it's too much at that point? or um, It's not that I think it's like too much. I just think that they didn't know when to kind of like cut off a gag when it was like running a little too long. Um, like, Oh, I thought it was perfectly paced. Oh, Really? There were a few yeah, times I mean, that I thought they were kind of like, everything kind of stopped in its tracks just so they could kind of have a gag. Like, for instance, um, one of the earliest ones, there's a classic, uh, fight on top of a train. And so, yes. you know, there's the classic setup where it's like, you know, he's the, our hero is in the back, the Nazi trying to fight him is in the front, but they, you know, there's yeah. a bridge coming up that he can't see. So Omar Sharif ducks and then he just plows through the, <laughs> the bridge anyway, Yeah. um, that scene just felt like it took a little too long basically because they set it up for so long and then afterwards we need like 30 full seconds of like cool down it's like oh can you believe that he broke through that bridge like yes we get it that's the joke alright let's move on (laughs) souvenirs novelties party tricks souvenirs novelties party tricks Do you know any good white basketball players? There are no good white basketball players, my friend. There was trouble on the Berlin Express. They knew I was on that train. We suspect there is a traitor somewhere in the Resistance. We must proceed nonetheless. There is too much at stake. Here, kind sir, smell this flower. It never fails to amuse the parties. (laughs) <laughs> it's well, I think your problems are more with that second storyline, mm-hmm. which and we'll get to problems later. But let's talk about the story as it is. Mm-hmm. I wanted to set everything up in jokes of the unit, like jokes as a, as a unit uh, <laughs> between the sight gags, the sex gags, and um, the spoofing gags. But anyway, we'll tell the story as it is. Again, this is we're set in present day East Germany, but they look like Nazis, mm-hmm. and they have an evil scheme to get all these U boats out of the uh, out of the Strait of Gibraltar with this big magnet by kidnapping a scientist uh they have a cultural attache played by Val Kilmer in his first on screen role mm-hmm. as a as a teen bopper named Nick rivers mm-hmm. and as you can see, he's a little defiant um he doesn't really know the rules he's a bit full of himself as um as he as he assumes like people are applauding and, and expect him to perform, so he does um but that's all that you could basically get as a character there's no real emotional investment other than a again a silly. A silly romance that kind of comes much later in the movie. Mm. It's not like Airplane, where you're really dragged along by the romance between the two characters. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. it's more of if it if this does approach anything close to like a character arc. The whole point is the fact that he's kind of selfish and um, a little kind of simple-minded but then he has to kind of like choose to be the hero at the end of the day he has to be the one who has to take action against the evil germans so yeah um i guess that's kind of like the closest it comes to having like a full kind of character arc for any of the characters but um besides me no 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 thinking about it that's pretty much it yep all right forget it (laughs) made my point just uh chilling out yeah Well, John, come on. We're not here for story. We're here for laughs. Mm -hmm. And as you said, we kind of get off to a rocky start. There's a long scene, uh, as you said, a train chase starring Omar Sharif, um, who then just gets ignored for the final 20 minutes of the movie. He's the one who kind of hands off this dangerous mission to Nick Rivers, or at least it finds its way to Val Kilmer's character. Mm -hmm. Um, But as you said, those scenes don't work. Like The the gag in which... uh, Or at least they don't work as well as the other scenes, because... As you said, the gag in which um, the guy busts through the bridge when we expect him to, mm-hmm. when we expect it to knock him over mm-hmm. that goes on for too long. The, there's another scene in which he meets like his contact who's uh, who pretends to be blind and sells souvenirs. Oh, I thought that was kind of funny. I like that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, the whole point of it is to take this dignified, uh, dramatic actor Omar Sharif and again throw <laughs> throw ink in his face and and have a cigar explode and also have him pick up his dog puss. shit. You dropped your fake dog shit. <laughs> no, <Yeah>. I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, so he gets to star unlike an airplane which had a, a cast stacked with uh like formerly formerly serious dramatic actors. Mm-hmm. Um, Omar Sharif is really the only one of note here. Well, uh, also he kind go-to. of Peter Cushing's. Yeah, but Michael in Peter Cushing as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah but that's his his no note, his noteworthy scene in the whole movie is just the weirdest and probably most avant-garde of everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's for some reason filmed backwards. And I can't think of any reason why they would want to do that besides, like, they're trying to speak in code? So the whole idea is that they're, like, speaking... Well, he's Swedish, yeah. Oh, okay, so the whole point (laughs) is he's Swedish. Oh, got it. Yeah, all right. And the joke, and I guess the joke is is that English, when recorded, or when it played back backwards, sounds, like, (laughs) Swedish, I guess? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But couldn't Other they have that, just guess- filmed his scenes backwards? But instead, it's like they do the whole thing backwards, you know, playing with yeah, the whole... all in one take. Yeah, yeah, and playing with the whole idea of someone looking like they're throwing something up, but really just fell down and they're catching it, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I, it's so weird. <laughs> yeah, like that's what I'm kind so of talking about when I talk about this movie being like kind of overindulgent. Like you kind of had to bring in the reins just a little bit. Not that the f- movie's not funny, because the movie is exceptionally funny. And you didn't bring up my favorite kind of gag involving Omar Sharif, which is uh, yeah. eventually you know he gets turned on. There's a tra- uh, there's a traitor in the re- uh, resistance, yeah. and so he's supposed to get dropped off at his hotel. Instead, he gets dropped off at the um, the junkyard and his car gets yep. crushed but somehow he survives and they cram him into this like tiny little car costume complete with like yeah. wipers and tires that's a great little uh, prop and then yeah. they go overboard with it eventually you know he uh, he gets a face full of boob and then the little antenna yeah. pops up where his boner would be <laughs> oh, classic <laughs> that's classic zuck comedy <laughs> Hell, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stop the kids, And Oh, me, You know, yes that's a unit i want to get on Mm -hmm. um the (laughs) surprising amount of sex jokes Mm -hmm. like man these these boys were on one they were horny (laughs) (laughs) because there's that and there's a scene later uh when they have to infiltrate in as the poster famously shows they get a fake cow suit and they can't disguise their boots so the cow it's a real life cow wearing wearing boots for all intents and purposes mm-hmm. um but there are two gags in that um one where the character that we don't know is a traitor yet uh, a calf comes up and starts sucking on the udder mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah he he slows down the plan because it's just like you know it can wait um <laughs> And, of course, he also gets his comeuppance when a when a steer finds <laughs> finds this uh, very attractive cow. Mm. And it implies that he gets uh, – t- I don't know if – again, you and I aren't very scatological on our humor. <laughs> like, I don't know if those joke, jokes work for you. Um, um, they the, didn't because, honestly, that's kind of expected. As soon as he's like, I'm taking guess, the rear. Yeah. And, again, like – if if you're going to have a if you're going to have a gag where two people dress as a cow you know at some point you you seem kind of taken aback by the amount of horny jokes it's like come on greg you've seen airplane <laughs> at one point a woman's <laughs> a naked face. jugs come out and start bobbling <laughs> I, exactly it was it was brief um the one sex joke that landed for me i get uh, probably the greatest punchline maybe ever in the history of comedy of film mm-hmm. <laughs> nick rivers has this associate uh who's leading him through this cultural as a cultural ambassador and um, at one point, Nick Rivers gets caught. I, I don't think he's seen as a traitor yet, um, but he says, uh, "I've tried everything. I've talked to the consulate. I've talked to you know the, the U.S. Congress. I've talked to everybody. I can't get my wife to orgasm." <laughs> <laughs> and then, for some reason, Nick Rivers has something called like the anal penetrator. or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. And the huge payoff is like we've we've also captured your your cultural ambassador. He was passed out with the anal penetrator in his butt for twenty for twenty minutes. <laughs> Ugh, but Greg, we need to... We can't get through this without talking about the actual resistance itself, including oh, such yeah. famous characters as Deja Vu and <laughs> Chocolate Moose, the only black Dena member. Mo, yeah. <laughs> yeah i i that joke didn't land with me like get it it's it's, it's a black character and his name's chocolate yeah and, get it? i mean again yeah. like at least have him talk jive come on yeah. <laughs> but no like the, there's a character that comes out just says my man and he's high fives. yeah there you go <laughs> but uh, the reason why i want to bring up uh deja vu is because i did not recognize that actor and i don't know if you did either that's he's played by uh jim carter of uh downton abbey fame he plays mr carson Okay, I, I don't watch *Downton Abbey*. Oh no. so, well, I mean you're missing. Well, or didn't watch *Downton Abbey* when it was on. The, well, the movie's coming out soon, Greg. So you better catch up. Okay, all right. So I'll hurry up. All right. <laughs> First, I mean everyone's like, "Oh, Joker, big deal." No, *Downton Abbey*. That's the movie that's gonna have <laughs> be on everyone's lips. Coming. That's a the few real weeks. Oscar contender. Exactly. They're having the Queen over. It's great. <laughs> <All> right, sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean. T- I I guess that that joke could have it could have just ended at like oh he's he's a he's um he's he's black and his name's Chocolate Lips um, but he actually does do something with it um not just in portraying it as a badass but also like um yeah he has this he has this great deep belly laugh when um he says like uh what are you drinking gasoline. <laughs> And it does, it does go with a piece like those other characters, deja vu, avant garde. <laughs> <Just, Yeah>, exactly. <laughs> Just silly French word, like giving them all these silly French word names. Mm. So. Is this the Potato Farm? Yes. I am Albert Potato. Who are you? We were sent by Sven Jorgensen. Come this way. Some great psych eggs, like when they're first when they first greet the resistance, they don't trust them, so they all pull their guns on them, and one of them has a cannon. <laughs> like, and then yeah. <laughs> later on, they use that cannon when they're actually held hostage and yeah. under siege. So, um, and then there's also a great psych egg when they actually start infiltrating the castle. Like, they get into a fight with some guards, and he has to tag in chocolate moose like a <laughs> like a wrestling <laughs> match. And then it turns out the barbed wire <laughs> creates a perfect ring, and they start doing wrestling moves back and forth. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know that one felt a little dated like not not that wrestling is ever going to go away soon but um yeah it it was certainly experiencing a peak in the mid 80s that one felt a little dated it's also followed up with a a classic ford pinto gag oh yes (laughs) (laughs) who could forget the ford pinto (laughs) yeah which i'm not even sure still in the roads in 1984 um And yeah, I think maybe where your reticence comes in is that the opening isn't as strong as a movie like airplane or like immediately silly, like the naked gun is. And like, instead we have these long scenes with Omar Sharif and then the other one, uh, with Nick Rivers on the train. And that ends with like him making a gag about the Montgomery mailing list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something which I, I don't know, I guess it was a catalog that you couldn't unsubscribe from. Not that I would know what that is um, with my stack of New Yorkers under the bed. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't forget also the publisher's clearinghouse gag where, you know, he, th- yeah. he thinks he's burning something important, but then it's a publisher's clearinghouse thing. <sighs> See, and that's, I think that's ultimately weird, weird thing about this movie is like it, it lives or dies on the, sh- on the small stuff, not the big stuff. And so I think for me, the reason why I didn't love it so much is that there was too many big stuff, but when they did do like a little, a little joke that really landed for me, like for instance, at the very beginning, um, you know, there's a Nazi, uh, messenger who gets off his bike and then he, you know, gets to his generals and salutes and then takes off his helmet and his chin strap is still attached to his chin, (laughs) like little sight gags like that. Or when they have, um, Nick Rivers and his, uh, his love interest have kind of a fight at a pizza parlor. It's, it's, you know, it's played completely straight, but in the background you see them pulling apart this pizza and just the cheese just going everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's the subtle stuff like that. I appreciated, And I wish it had more of. Yeah. Subtle gags. And also a lot of gags that relate to filmmaking, which I, I think is also why this movie's gained such a cult appeal. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, like things that you don't take for granted like perspective like my favorite gag is there's a phone that appears to be in the <laughs> foreground oh that's right and you expect and you expect the, the, the villainous guard uh, the villainous guard to walk all the way across the room and pick it up instead he only takes two steps and reveals it's a gigantic phone that only looks like uh, same with the other one on a one of my other favorite gags is when they're sneaking uh, to infiltrate the this fort, or excuse me, this prison, to get the hostage scientist out. Mm-hmm. And they're they're traversing this uh, path with old dry leaves and crunching under their feet. And Nick Rivers goes shh, and then they continue walking, and suddenly there's no sound underneath <laughs> their feet. <laughs> well, I guess there's no way to talk about this movie without mentioning the fact that this is Val Kilmer's first film role, and honest to god yeah. he really knocks it out of the park i thought he did a yeah. fantastic job <laughs> well john did you know he was also like a song and dance man no i did not <laughs> i had no idea either um i guess the most audiences know him as a as a fat has been um, sorry mr kilmer <laughs> no i always knew him as a, a reputation from like early 90s the doors and like batman and robin like taking himself way too seriously i sorry, i'm sorry yeah, i said and batman a and robin i meant batman yeah. forever how could i forget uh, exactly john <laughs> an important distinction don't Screw that up, we'll get many complaint letters. <laughs> but yeah, like who knew he could do comedy so well? And I'm so surprised that he didn't take a more kind of comedic route with his career and said he's like I'm a serious actor, man. Yeah, I, I don't know what what changed for that because he he also followed this up with another cult cult hit, uh, Real Genius. Oh, that's right. Where he's like yeah, where he's like pulling off college pranks as a as a genius or prodigy or something. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why he wanted to get out of that, because I think they they found him on the stage and he was he wasn't quite doing like vaudeville, but something, something comedic enough where the the Zaz brothers were like, yeah, let's let's bring him on, mm. so. Yeah, and, and again, he sells it as, like, a pop star. Like, um, <laughs> That's another one of my favorite, like, extended scenes he's performing uh, because he's a 60s teen bopper. Like, obviously, he has those throngs of adoring fans. And he's singing about a song, like, I Can't Live Without You, Baby. <laughs> and as he's moving across the stage, there's, like, a, he has a new setup. Where he's like, I, I can't live without you, baby. And then he moves on to sticking his head in the oven and laying down on some train tracks and... <laughs> His band has to save him, (laughs) so I thought that was good, too. I mean, maybe that's... Like, again, we keep talking about, like, the early moments, like talking about the whole teeny bopper thing the whole major setup or at least one of the big gags at the very beginning is like this three minute sequence making fun of one of these hits called like Skeeting on the Beach and (laughs) and the whole idea is skeet shooting on the beach which is as ridiculous as it sounds but again it's one of those things that for me was just like a little too self indulgent like don't stop your movie like completely full stop for a music video you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, well if I put on my thinking cap Mm -hmm. John if I I could explain why it's funny which will I think make it even funnier for you. Oh yes, you. please Greg, explain to me the joke. I don't it's understand. the contrast. Skiing on the, the con- ski shooting on the beach? What what, what is madness is this? <laughs> <laughs> it's the contrast between having a, a very gentle good vibe sport like surfing. Oh. And something and something as as rustic and and potentially harmful as skeet shooting. <laughs> you know running running with a 12 gauge on the beach yeah. is pretty hysterical if you ask oh, me. So That's that's madness. <laughs> yeah, this is I do like how it builds though. Because it, it, the the music video, as you said, it's the opening credits basically. It ends with a, a whole a whole throng of people, including uh, old ladies, children, <laughs> all holding all holding at, uh, rifles, like headed towards the beach. So that's great. <laughs> movie is very funny i just uh, yeah. i i have to recommend i if i ever had to do a marathon i'd obviously start the airplane and then i'd finish it up with police squad i don't know if i'd include this one or i'd include it later in the evening when i was about to fall asleep so all right yeah i i i really adore adored it so okay. <laughs> yeah i i would put it up there maybe with the naked gun i obviously it doesn't have like the those x factors like uh leslie nielsen or oj Simpson. You know, legendary yes. performers <laughs> like O.J. Simpson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I may be missing some of that, but yeah, some of the, like, I can't remember the last movie I watched where I literally laughed out loud. Um, we watched a lot of serious art house fare in this podcast, mm-hmm. and I thought, let's let's switch it up and maybe, I don't know, watch something a little bit more enjoyable. I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoy- well I've enjoyed like the last okay. few movies we've watched, except for the Dark Crystal. Yeah, okay. But I mean, yeah. okay, I, yeah, I, I I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. Okay, all right. Recommended, yeah. just not you know wholeheartedly. No, well, yeah. Again, the idea of this podcast is whether they live up to a classic status. Mm, like, I'm true. not sure, and that's that's a high bar to clear for a comedy, especially one which has, as we pointed out, like some dated humor, mm-hmm. um, not a lot of problematic humor, but uh, let's say childish humor. <laughs> When, obviously, we're grown, sophisticated men. Of so. course. We're grown-ass men. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I drink my own mm-hmm. milk, thank you very much. <laughs> Wait, it's the whole milk, right? I mean- no, I do. I drink skim, okay? I'm responsible. Uh, all right. All right. Okay, good. That was, a, that was a test. That was a little test, so... Give it to me, watery. Mm. Yeah. yeah, the good <laughs> shit. I, I, No, John, I refuse. Oh, okay. All right, you want to know why? Because I'm bringing you to Flavortown. Oh, wow. All right, I'm punching your ticket. Train's leaving the station right now, all right? So you better get to Flavor Town. And that plays into my recommendation for our signature episode ending segment, Spotlight. 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 It's time, Robbie. It's time. Greg, I am not fully prepared for this, but but go ahead. No. I am ready to have my mind blown at least. Let's hear it. Go. Yes. John, did you hear? Did you hear the good news? No. All right. Jesus Christ has <laughs> returned, thank goodness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, that tweet I referenced earlier, where they're like, there's before Joker and there's after Joker. I did want to play a game with you called Jesus or Joker. But are the words I'm saying about the Duke Joker movie or about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? But I couldn't find enough uh, tweets about that. Damn. So. <laughs> Not well, yeah. But John, no, I've, I've got news that's equally as important as our Lord and Savior. Alton Brown is back. <gasps> He's resurrected. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if we talked about Good Eats on the show before. I think we have, but like eons ago. So we they need, the yeah. folks need a reminder. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they especially need a reminder because uh, we need to keep it going. Mm-hmm. We need to keep it going for another run of 13 years. Um, now when it's prime, prime time Sunday time slot, it's back. Good Eats The Return is back on Food Network. And so I, I believe he's in New York this time. But the studio is, at, for all intents and purposes, the same. Mm-hmm. It still has the and, Georgia credits at the end, and I know all Brown oh, really? lives okay. in Georgia, so I don't. I, maybe, maybe they still film a few segments in New York, but you know, yeah, it's yeah. whatever. They've got a budget now, so you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think they had a budget before. Eh. <laughs> it, it still got the charm. It's still got the old, like, uh, kind of classy charm. I mean, he still does a lot of unique shots. Um, he he adores those dentist mirrors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's that's really that really stands out in the episodes that I've watched of the season thus far, and um, yeah, it's it's also heavily reliant on the characters. Um, I like it when he gets the food, but the other thing I'm appreciating is he's getting into the tools a bit. One of the episodes is about um, f- a frozen cake, mm-hmm. and really. It's, even though it's just one recipe across the 22 minutes when you and I obviously like when he does three episodes, like, or excuse me, three uh, recipes in, in one episode. But he just does one, and he talks about it, it wouldn't exist without the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. So he it, it, he gets to explore like the history of the appliance. Same with another episode where he look he talks about induction cooking. Mm. Like the, the episode is is an homage to Casablanca because the the dish originated in Morocco. Uh. so yeah, so it, he gets to play he gets to play off a long homage to Casablanca, one of his most beloved movies, um, and so but he does it on an induction cooktop rather than a traditional stove, okay. a traditional open flame stove. So. I mean that's always good. He gets to talk about that too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's always been part of the charm as well, is that he's always he's always had like kind of a DIY spirit to it. I remember one old episode yeah. in particular where he, he teaches you how to make your own tandoori oven with like a terracotta pot you can get at any hardware store or something like that. Not that anyone's gonna yeah. go through the work, but I mean I, I, I admire <laughs> him for at least trying, you know. Good for him. Yeah. Um yeah. I still only seen like the first episode that was put that was made available on YouTube, so um mm-hmm. I can't really speak to Obviously, you've seen more than I have, but um, yeah, like, so he, he doesn't, because normally what he would used to do is like, he would take an ingredient and maybe make like two to three different recipes based off of that. You're saying he kind of just sticks to one for these new yeah, episodes? Yeah, thus far, yeah, I've seen, the well, the episode list, it sounds like he's just sticking to one particular dish oh, okay. and doing that across. Maybe there's little variations like he did with that frozen cake, but, mm-hmm. and a little bit with the chicken parm in that premiere episode, but yeah, yeah I, I think he's kind of sticking to that. Or at least sticking to focus on one dish rather than an ingredient. I think also he's doing a lot more behind the scenes stuff on his YouTube channel, so that is available to everybody. That's true, but I don't. I don't yeah. like the illusion destroyed. That's my problem. I'm, <laughs> I don't like commentary tracks. I don't like bonus features unless they're gags or bloopers. I don't. I don't. I, I like to preserve the illusion. I do like the illusion destroyed. <laughs> okay, and um, <laughs> he did say something. I I don't think this is true, mm-hmm. but he did confess like that the the ultimate. Even though this is a cooking show, and I'm sure a lot of listeners are out there like, oh, I don't care about cooking. Like mm-hmm. you know, he says that he is first and foremost an entertainer, mm-hmm. and he's telling stories about food. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's even though the show still feels the same, I, I think it's interesting for him to admit that. Uh, that. That's that's a terrible way to put it. Um, <laughs> in spite of him admitting that, it's still it's still. Peaks my fascination w- with the fact about it being food and the tools in which we used to make it. And not just, like, again, like a extended parody of uh, uh, Casablanca with the whole episode being in black and white. Um, what? Well, and Alex Cardini basically playing the Ygritte Berman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a fellow celebrity chef. So. I mean, like... I remember when I first started watching Good Eats, I looked up Alton Brown and I was interested to learn that his actual training, what his actual job was and before this was cinematographer. He is obviously Mm -hmm. fascinated by cameras and filmmaking. And I can kind of understand where his whole appeal, where the, um, where cooking has an appeal for him is obviously he's very much into technical aspects, but also he's a perfectionist. So, um, and a very, I assume probably a very controlling personality. So, you know, it's, it's his love of filmmaking and his love of cooking just kind of go perfectly hand in hand to make a fantastic dish. Mwah. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, I'm glad you also brought up his temperament mm-hmm. because it seems like a return to, I call him Fat Alton <laughs> or ch- maybe Chunky Alton. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think one of the most blessed aspects of the, at least the early run of Good Eats, was that uh, he had this joie de vivre and was making a lot of comfort foods. Mm-hmm. Um, he, between, I think it was like seasons 10 and 11, he had dramatic weight loss. Mm-hmm. And I could also see his attitude change. Like he was, he was much more hyperbolic in his writing. Yeah, he became like, he kind he, of he more up, curmudgeonly. <laughs> Yeah. He became much more curmudgeonly. Now he's back to uh I think uh maybe his natural body weight. Um just a little round around the edges. No, that's all. he's 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 still pretty thin in the face. I I guess, yeah. But I don't know. The wide shots whatever aren't doing him any favors, how <laughs> about that, that? He's wearing big jackets. Hmm. <laughs> and exactly. So it it does ha there is a there's he's returned the joy too mm-hmm. to the show, which I, I greatly appreciate. Exactly and hopefully he'll still have time to do um cutthroat kitchen cuz that also uh, so- that's a great that's a great point i'm not sure about that so i'd much rather i'd much rather watch good eats than cutthroat kitchen of you. why but. can't i have both why can't america have it all greg <laughs> I'll tell you why, John, because it's, it's exploiting somebody else. Yeah. Uh, in this case, the town of Alton Brown or the, the terrible comedy of some uh, professional chefs, but very, very, very amateurish comedians. Mm, it's true. Yeah. Okay. Get them out of here. Fair point. Yeah. Fair point. <laughs> <laughs> the not ready for t- prime time players. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get back to the kitchen. <laughs> wow. Ouch. Okay, I know. <laughs> that was gender neutral. <laughs> yes. Speaking of gender neutral, that leans in hard to my spotlight for this week, Greg. Whoa, Greg, okay. it has never been harder to write satire for the internet. Because Facebook, Absolutely. in all its infinite wisdom, has decided mm-hmm. that it it can't have any fake news on its website. Even though they know that's what gets the clicks. And yeah. obviously that's not stopping them from collecting every ounce of data on you they can. But that's not the point. Yeah, The point is that there was kind of an announcement that a uh, particular site that I enjoy would probably be running less content or have to change their content quite a bit to reflect the fact that Facebook's algorithm was blocking them too often, even though they are a satire site. So I wanted to spotlight them to make sure that they got all the clicks that they could get. It's a spotlight I've been sitting on for a while, but I want to recommend the website Reductress. Yes, I I can't remember if we've ever brought this one up before too. Mm-hmm. But let's go. We've been we're 150 episodes deep. Let's bring it back. Exactly. <laughs> I think I think we've had enough episodes that we can start repeating <laughs> yeah. ourselves. Yes. But Reductress is a, a satire website, much in the vein of the Onion, as they all are. Um, yeah. But it it has more of a Buzzfeed slash kind of feminist like cosmo cosmopolitan kind of bent to it. So yeah, maybe maybe a girl blog like Jezebel or exo Jane. Mm-hmm. and and a lot of humor is mined from the headlines <laughs> um, kind of subverting your expectations and that's kind of one of the interesting things is that half of them do feel like kind of very clickbaity, but other times it's like they are trying to go for like the hard-hitting news like report that's not the right foundation for you amanda like <laughs> headlines <laughs> like that <laughs> See, that's funny because I thought you didn't like the Onion when they do do the mundane. No, <laughs> that's what I love about the Onion. I thought that's. I think that's oh, okay, what they do right. best. So you do like the mundane uh, <laughs> Yes, like, exactly. Uh, like area area father thinks that the refs should just let them play the game. <laughs> <laughs> But obviously, like as as much as I hate to admit it, part of my probably my favorite uh, aspect of Reductress is Dude Corner. It's <laughs> you know it's okay. <laughs> it's women right? It's women making fun of women writers, but then when they get to flip it and make it about men, it's hilarious. So okay. we've got great headlines like Dude Corner. I never said I was perfect, so you can't get mad at me. Fair. I just, <laughs> wait, I thought you said this was satire. Right there. <laughs> there's also a great uh, our, there's a great article series called I Lived It. Such, featuring uh-huh. such headlines, uh, such sweeping articles as "I lived it," Black Twitter came for me, <laughs> and I lived it. I found out I'm not proficient in Microsoft Word. So, yeah, see, these these are funny because they're true. Uh, those are two legitimate fears of mine. <laughs> Microsoft Word, I'm obviously next. Yes, of so. course. But then they also get political. Like, fun. This woman is baby crazy, even though the next generation won't survive climate change. <laughs> nah, yeah. Also funny because it's true. exactly so, <laughs> the best satire is based on truth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so again, we're just repeating headlines. Do you ever dig deeper into the stories? Because there there are a few Onion pieces that I do like actually click on, <laughs> uh, particularly the American Voices and of course Kelly's cartoons. Um, yes, are there any features in which like you think like okay, that's required clicking or something that people should really? D- dive deeper into. Uh, I do think that I lived it um, is probably where you're going to get the most bang for your buck because again, that one is kind of more of a narrative mm-hmm. focus. Like again, the whole idea is that it's like someone writing from their obviously privileged perspective. Yeah, <laughs> much like the uh, film critic you were talking about earlier. You know how like okay, yeah. you know how like uh, writers kind of get up their own asses and it's like I went yeah. to a taco shop. Here's my experience. <laughs> like, yeah. so, I do think the I lived it is probably the if you if you do click on the articles, which I hope you do, because you. Need we need to yeah. support them guys we need to support yes. women all right <laughs> obviously yeah facebook is doing no favors of trying to silence women mm. <laughs> so it's it's a, it's incumbent upon us to give them the clicks stay on the page for hours on end each one even if you're not reading it just leave it up to get some good ad ad metrics say <laughs> we retain readers for this period of time so yes and it's more important than ever in this current hellscape that we all live in to to laugh every once in a while at the current state of affairs yeah. so Go read The Onion, go read Reductus Hell, give the Babylon Bee a try Occasionally they're funny I I haven't heard of the Babylon Bee. I'm more worried that the, the current events are outpacing satire. If <laughs> you, hear me. you hear about the Sharpie Gate? <laughs> the Sharpie Gate folks? That we'll all forget about in two weeks? Remember that government shutdown that happened earlier this year? We've all forgotten about that. Remember the corruption? <laughs> Remember the crimes? Uh, who cares? Yeah. Just dogpile yeah. it onto the rest of the stories. <laughs> yeah. That stuff that would sink any normal president? Nah, forget it. Who cares? Yep. It's funny. Mm-hmm. He's funny. Yes. <sighs> I, I also think we're kind of losing touch of maybe what satire is, mm. because at these big movie premieres, the, another Oscar contender from the mind of uh, Taiya Kiki mm-hmm. comes Jojo Rabbit, which somebody described as an anti-hate satire. No, that's how they're trying to position it, because they, like, again, we can't even have... a. Uh, um, Man of Maori descent dressed up as Hitler without people realizing that's the joke. Like this is the state of affairs right now. <laughs> oh, so they assume people are too stupid. Yes, Fox <laughs> Searchlight is too scared see, that people are not going to get it. Of a, yes, of a Maori man, yeah, leaping up in the air with a big smile on his face dressed as Adolf Hitler. Yes, <laughs> and assume that it's a that's a that's a wacky comedy. No, okay. yeah, actually, I, no, it's funny you brought this up because I did read an article earlier about how scared. Fox Searchlight. They obviously want to buy it. They obviously have bought it. They're trying to sell it, but also like they're trying to, you know, toe this line. We're not really trying to celebrate Nazism guys, okay? (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's not Fox Searchlight anymore. Now it's Disney. Oh Um, Oh, that's right. Fox Searchlight, I'm sure, was very confident in it. Oh um, my god, I completely forgot that Fox Searchlight also got bought by Disney. Fuck. Yeah. Jeez. Oh my god. Yes. (laughs) I'm gonna go I'm gonna go stick my head in an oven. Give me a minute. No, John. I'm going to be your, your Nick Rivers band I'm going to oh, pull you back. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You were talking about a hellscape earlier. Let me let me show you a refuge in, in this internet hellscape that we live okay. in. Okay. It's a particular page on a social media site. I know. It's going to be surrounded. It's like the eye of the storm in this hurricane. Oh. It's, a, it's a moment of refuge. Mm-hmm. And it is facebook.com slash aspiring snobs. Yes, please. It is... T- instagram at aspiring snobs it's twitter at aspiring snobs guys it's not only an active defiance it's also a, an act of radical self-care when you follow us yeah. on social media exactly as well as email us at aspiring snobs at gmail.com with your feedback mm-hmm. your questions which we'll answer on air your recommendations which we do take mm-hmm. and once you're done with all that you could do us a solid because we just gave you a sal- a solid hour of just fabulous content. What you can do is you can go to your podcast service of choice, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, what have you. Give us five stars, and that'll help build this Aspiring Stomps community together. And if you follow us there, you'll see what movie we're watching next week. Or you can just listen to us right now. Yes, <laughs> and, and we'll just yeah. tell you. Yeah, we'll just go ahead and tell you. So uh, we hope you got to watch uh, Top Secret with us. But yeah, maybe you'll get to watch the next film, the film we're bringing up next. Yes, week. which you can tell both of us remember off the top yes, of our heads, and we're yes. not trying to. We're not trying to, you know, to vamp. No, we're not. We're, yeah, or anything no, like we're just that. like yeah. we're building the suspense, guys. Come on, yeah. it's called a good. Podcasting you're welcome, yes, yes, ne- neither one of us are trying to get into that email right now, uh which you can hack, don't even try no, it's <laughs> impossible, yeah don't don't even try to hack it, especially not at the moment that we're recording when we look up uh what exactly that we're gonna be watching next week, yeah, um yeah, I gotta say this is this is useless audio, <laughs> this is not not very riveting podcast, I still probably think it's better than ninety five percent of what's out there I, yeah. Yeah, I I just I was started I watched I started watching Shrill on Hulu and they and they yeah. and they have a whole like subplot about people doing a shitty podcast and I'm like oh god I hope that's not us. I I don't think so because okay. um, I heard excerpts of that audiobook and <laughs> Greg was the voice too um loud <laughs> I I got to tell you what her body was. <laughs> oh <Dude>. wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's Yeah, maybe Shrill wasn't the right title. I think it's more like it's what she was addressing more was her body weight. Yes, um, yeah. which is what ostensibly the show is about because she doesn't really come off as shrill. It's more about – the yeah. show is more about her kind of gaining confidence. So it's like – and I guess mm-hmm. the, the tie-off of that is like a woman who's confident. Wow, she must be shrill. You know, that kind of – women can't win. The important thing we remember is that women are not allowed to win, okay? Yeah. <laughs> you're either skinny or you're a bitch or you're fat and we don't pay attention to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All I know is that she was a blogger, which I, I gotta be honest, isn't great uh, <laughs> memoir territory. It is much better when she does talk about her very harrowing personal experiences. I, I don't want to sound like exploitative mm-hmm. and like, yeah, give me the, give me that family tragedy. <laughs> yeah, give me the juice. I want to hear yeah. about your dad's <laughs> cancer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I got say it's better than the travails of a blogger, <laughs> um, which are that's uh, roundly uninteresting <laughs> it's resoundingly uninteresting also completely unrealistic a blog making money at this day and age come on uh, I know yeah anyway what are we watching next week <laughs> so we are watching uh, a classic this was a recommendation mm-hmm from a fellow uh, a festival goer, I think, who does it properly, who champions small films. He's not, he's not just uh, the couple that recommended this movie aren't just going to these film festivals to uh, champion uh, whatever Oscar contenders happen to be coming out that year. Mm-hmm. No, they do uh, look at a very artistic fare. Um, but this is a classic that neither one of us have seen. Or actually, you've seen it. I haven't. Mm. Um, that that I, we hope belongs in the canon. Um, I'll, I'll adjudicate when we see it next week. It's Harold and Maude. Ah yes, Harold and Maude. Yes, they were doing quirky stuff back in the '70s too, guys. Okay, it's not a recent <laughs> phenomenon. All right, just make it sure you you consider it quirky. Yes, I consider it very quirky. Yeah. All right. Is it? I and I don't want to spoil anything. Is it a May December romance or is it more of a a, a friendship? May December romance. Okay. There's definitely Ooh. a there is definitely a love aspect to it, which is perfect. very important to the plot. So Excellent. Oh, perfect. Yeah. That's exactly what I was looking for. Okay. Mm-hmm. Basketball shorts were the bad choice <laughs> uh, That's as I was recording, but that's why I always wear strap, Greg. <sighs> Jock strap. Okay. Keeps that boner in tight, let me tell you. All right. All right. Well, you just said the B word. So okay. there goes <laughs> There goes our PG thirteen audience. <laughs> there we go. Are you really not allowed to say boner? Even when you make I a mistake? I, it just, I assume that whoever governs these things, particularly Apple, is like the MPAA, <laughs> and we can't have an impure thought mm-hmm. on it anywhere. So Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Well, with, with everyone's boners in their minds, yes. thank you everybody for listening. <laughs> and until next time, keep aspiring, you cheeky bugger. <laughs> I don't know, wait, that sounded Australian. Harold Mod is not an Australian film. That's fine. It's close enough. They're, okay, they're yeah. pretty much the same people. <laughs> okay, yeah. And she's not cocky either. The guy, it's just terrible, poor effort all around. Okay. <laughs> God the queen. The fascist regime. that made you a